Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, it feels like summer, doesn't it, with the heat? And now that school is out, people are beginning their summer routines, meaning trips, vacations, various other activities. That's generally, generally what we think of when it comes summertime. But there's also something else you might think about as happening during summer, and that is weddings. According to statistics, June is the month of the year when there are the most weddings. And you may be wondering, how many weddings? Well, it just so happens that I have this slide. <clears throat> 2.3 million weddings happen every year in our country. That's about 6,200 a day. Wow, that's a lot of weddings. Now, with all of those weddings going on, no doubt you've been invited to some, maybe recently or maybe some coming up. But this, I know for sure, you have been invited to one in particular, and that is God's wedding banquet. We're going to spend several weeks this summer looking at some parables that Jesus taught. Parables are simply life stories where Jesus takes life events and uses them to teach us a spiritual truth. And today we want to look at a wedding, God's great wedding banquet. And from that, we're going to learn this important truth. You're invited. So let's listen now to Jesus as he tells us this story of God's great wedding banquet. Once again, Jesus used stories to teach the people. The kingdom of heaven is like what happened when a king gave a wedding banquet for his son. The king sends some servants to tell the invited guests to come to the banquet. But the guests refused. He sent other servants to say to the guests, the banquet is ready. My cattle and prized calves have all been prepared. Everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests did not pay any attention. Some of them left for their farms and some went to their places of business. Others grabbed the servants, then beat them up and killed them. This made the king so furious that he sent an army to kill those murderers and burn down their city. Then he said to the servants, it is time for the wedding banquet, and the invited guests don't deserve to come. Go out to the street corners and tell everyone you meet to come to the banquet. They went out on the streets, and they brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet, banquet room was filled with guests. When the king went in to meet the guests, he found that one of them wasn't wearing the right kind of clothes for the wedding. The king asked, friend, why didn't you wear proper clothes for the wedding? But the guest had no excuse. So the king gave orders for that person to be tied hand and foot and be thrown outside into the dark. That's where people will cry and grit their teeth in pain. Many are invited, but only a few are chosen. 
Well, if you've ever been involved with a wedding, you know that there's a lot of work that takes place and a lot of costs. Here's some more wedding facts. $72 billion is spent every year on weddings. And the average wedding budget is about $20,000. I'm having to talk to my daughter before we get to that point. The couple will spend just over $1,000 in the rings alone. Now, traditionally, the father of the bride would pay for everything. This is where I'm breaking tradition. But today it seems more and more that the bride and groom themselves will pay about 30% of the time. That's a lot of money, isn't it? And we know that in addition to money, there's a, there's a lot of preparation that has to go into a wedding. In fact, the preparation starts sometimes a year in advance, trying to find a wedding hall, tasting the food and selecting the menu, setting up the photographer, getting the music arranged, getting the wedding uh, people all involved, and, and so much that goes on. Weddings become a very big deal with preparation. When Jesus told this story about the wedding, he simply, he made it a real simple point and said, the preparations have been made. The king prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, the pastors here get involved with wedding preparations too. Oh, we don't get into the details of the banquet and the food and the, the clothes and all that stuff. We spend our time working with the couple as far as their relationship goes. You see, what we're concerned about is the marriage relationship, not so much the wedding ceremony. We want to make sure that they have a good understanding of what it means to love and care for each other. And so we spend our time in premarital counseling with them because really the marriage is all about their relationship. And that's what we think of too with this marriage or wedding banquet that Jesus was talking about. It's about our relationship with God. Now, usually when you go to a wedding, you want like to get a little bit of a background information on the couple, right? Well, I wonder how they, how they met, and what do they have in common, and how well do they get along, and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at the relationship that we had with God, you'd see that we didn't get along at all. Not to God's fault, but to our fault. Human beings don't want to do what God wants. Human beings don't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But that didn't stop the wedding from taking place. Because this relationship is based on what God has done for us. The scriptures tell us that while we were still sinners, God loved us and Jesus died for us. God, in fact, is the one who made the marriage proposal. God is the one who arranged all the plans for the wedding, and he's the one who carried it out. He's the one who brought us into that relationship with him through the work of Jesus. The Apostle Paul described it in Ephesians 5 when he was talking about the marriage relationship of husbands and wives. He reminded us of that relationship that we have with God through Jesus. He wrote, Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, referring to, sacra to the sacrament of baptism. 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's how God looks at you, as a bride for the day, his beautiful bride, all because of Jesus. And that's what the Apostle John was talking about when, when God gave him that vision of heaven. As we heard in our scripture reading a few minutes ago, uh, we think of heaven in many different ways, but God also pictured it for us as if it were a wedding banquet. And John described it this way. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You and I are blessed. Because God in his love has wedded us to him. He has clothed us with the righteous acts of Jesus. And now we live in those righteous acts all through the work of the Spirit. Now, if, if you think of Jesus' story that we just heard, he referred to somebody who came into the wedding and wasn't wearing the right clothes. Let's, let's take a look at that again. When the king went in to meet the guests, he found that one of them wasn't wearing the right kind of clothes for the wedding. The king asked, friend, why didn't you wear proper clothes for the wedding? But the guest had no excuse. You know, he was, he was a party crasher. He was trying to get in just on his own, and, and he wasn't properly prepared, and therefore was not qualified to be there. So the king gave the orders for that person to be tied hand and foot and to be thrown outside into the dark. That's where people will cry and grit their teeth in pain. With that, Jesus was teaching us that if, if we don't have the righteous acts of Christ, which are given to us through faith in him, then we can't enter into God's wedding banquet. And instead, we will be thrown out into what he describes we would simply call is hell. But Jesus wants, to know, wants us to know of the beautiful banquet that he has prepared for us. Now, as we mentioned before, the details of the banquet aren't describing the, the fine tables and all the glittery crystal glasses and, and all the other decorations, but it's focused on the people, on the guests. You and I have the blessings of that banquet already. It's not just what will be there in eternity, but it's what God has given us now, because that wedding is that relationship with him. We know we have pardon from our sins, and that gives us peace with God. We know that we have all the promises and, and all the riches that come along with them. We know that, that God gives us that comfort and assurance that we need through anything that we go through in this life. And so there will always be that comfort, that strength, that hope, and that life. That's the banquet we get now. And that's what we enjoy when we come and, and, and dine with him at this table. God also wants us to understand there's more to come. The bliss of heaven. And the apostle saw 
John saw what that was like too. A little later, after he had just described this wedding banquet, God lets him see the beautiful bride, you. John said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's what we have to look forward to. Do you, if you've been married, do you recall some of the excitement uh, you had when that wedding day was approaching? Do you remember when everybody was gathered together and, and everybody was enjoying themselves and just so happy for you? What about now? Are you looking forward to the wedding banquet of Jesus? The banquet that you have right now through faith in him? The banquet that he has planned for you for eternity? What a privilege, what an honor it is that God has invited us to be at that wedding. Yet sometimes we don't appreciate what he has done. Sometimes we don't appreciate this glorious wedding and banquet that he has set before us even now. Instead, we are, we are looking for other things that we want to be entertained by or find joy in. God would have us remember that this is the wedding banquet that we should focus on. Now, just as uh, a couple will remain apart a when they are engaged, but still be faithful to one another, the Apostle Paul reminds us that that's what our relationship with God is right now. We are not with him. We are not in heaven now. But yet, we are to be faithful to him. The Apostle Paul talked about that in one of his letters. He said, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. With that, he's reminding us, stay faithful to God. Practically speaking, what that means is simply this. We're going to gather to praise him. We're going to listen to his word and hold it. And we'll live with the righteous acts that he has clothed us with. We'll be faithful to him. That's the preparations we make for this wedding. All right, let's shift our attention a little bit now. Of course, when a wedding has all been prepared, you want to invite the guests. And, and today, there's a variety of ways in which invitations go out. Of course, there's the electronic invitations. Now, a lot of people will send out notices just announcing that there's been an engagement and a wedding is being planned soon. And then later on, you actually get that invitation with all the details for the wedding. Obviously, it's important that the message get out, there's a wedding. And that's what Jesus was emphasizing with this life story, that God has extended his invitations. 
in Jesus' story, he simply said the king sent out his servants to invite the guests. With that, Jesus was probably referring to the prophets of the past, and no doubt even his apostles whom he would send out very soon. We know what their invitation stated. It was simply, come. Everything has been prepared. Come and eat because there's nothing you have to purchase. Come and enjoy the blessings of God. I think what it would be like if you got a wedding invitation that says, you're invited, but you have to come and you have to have a gift that is of a certain dollar amount. Or it might say, you can come, but only if you meet these qualifications. Well, you'd look at that invitation and you'd probably think, well, that doesn't sound very inviting. And maybe you'd say, I can't afford that kind of a gift or I don't want to give that much. Or maybe you'd say, I don't meet any of those requirements. That would be an awful wedding invitation, wouldn't it? Well, that's not the invitation that God extends to us. He simply says, come. It's all prepared for you. That was the message of the servants in the past, and it's the message of his servants today, us. God has called us to extend that wedding invitation to others, and that's what we do as a congregation and a school. We have pastors and teachers who lead us in that. And in the homes, we have godly parents who bring their children up in the knowledge and instruction of the Lord. As a congregation, we work to extend that invitation to others through our various ministries, all of our children's programs and our schools. We have our heart-to-heart -heart group that goes out and, and ministers to people who are shut in or, or sick in hospitals. We have our group that, that goes and visits those who are behind the prison walls. And in many ways, we're reaching out to the community. We take seriously the commission that God has given us. Because we know that that invitation was first given to us. There, there was a, a parent or, or a pastor or a teacher who shared God's love with us, and we knew we were invited to that wedding. We also know that God has entrusted that invitation to us. That that's what he has called us to do, to extend that invitation to others. And that's what we are busy doing. I do have to be honest with you and, and point out to you, however, how we are failing. If you've noticed from the bulletin the last several months, we are way behind in our budget. Now, I know we don't like to talk about money, but I don't know how else to get the message out to you because we've sent letters and other things. At this point, the leaders of our congregation are going to have to make some tough decisions. There are some things that we're going to have to stop doing because we don't have the money that was pledged. Are we going to stop our prison ministry, our outreach to the community, the support of our schools, our missions that we do through our church body throughout the world? There are certain expenses that are fixed we can't do anything about. You want this place air-conditioned? We have to turn on the electricity. We have to pay the insurance bill. The company tells us what it is. 
The only thing we have to decide on is how we're going to do our work. And that's what we're here for, to do that work. So either we make some cuts or we dig in deeper and support the ministry that we want to carry out. Because God has given us that responsibility. What will you do to extend the invitation? Reflect on what a blessing it is that it was extended to you. And then be faithful to God's call to extend it to others. All right, after you get an invitation, what do you do with it? Well, you look to see who it is, you look to see when it is, and if that fits in your calendar. And of course, you know you're supposed to RSVP. Now, maybe you're not sure if you're going to attend, or maybe you've decided you're not going to attend, or maybe, out of forgetfulness, that invitation just got buried on the table somewhere. Either way, an RSVP needs to come back. And Jesus told us about the RSVPs that come back to his invitation. There were four different responses. The first one, he said, some people refused. They just didn't want that invitation. Maybe it was something that just didn't appeal to them. Maybe they didn't believe it could be true. Whatever it was, they just refused to come. Then he said, some people were just too busy and had excuses. Oh, they're going off to their farm, they're going off to their businesses, just don't have time right now. And sometimes people make those excuses. I'll get to it some other time. I have some other things that I want to do. Jesus also talked about how some abuse those who bring the invitation. Jesus referred to them beating up and killing his servants. Perhaps he was referring to the Jews who had killed some of God's prophets. Or maybe he was thinking ahead to those who would persecute the Christians. We see that today. People who so hate the message of God that they want to stop it in whatever way they can. But thank God there are also those who accept that invitation. Not because of any strength or decision that's in them, but simply because the Holy Spirit has convinced them that this is true. God's invitation is accepted because God wants all people to be saved. And that Holy Spirit works in the hearts of those who hear that word and convinces them of that truth. We can be happy that God has convinced us of that truth. And, RSV, and our RSVP is, yes, we will be there. What are you doing with the invitation that God has extended to you? You know, there have been other people who have sat in these pews and said they accepted that invitation, but then set it aside. What will you do with the invitation that God has extended to you? Don't lose it. The scriptures tell us to work to make our calling and our election certain. And we do that when we hear God's truth. When we believe it and when we trust it and we hold firmly to it, not giving it up for anything else. Because then we know the certainty of God's promises of salvation to us. God's promise is that he will clothe us with the wedding garments of Christ's righteousness. 
What better story could there be? That's your life story by Jesus. Amen.